Daniel chapter 11, verses 20 through 35. Then shall arise in his place one who shall send an exactor of tribute for the glory of the kingdom. But within a few days he shall be broken, neither in anger nor in battle. In his place shall arise a contemptible person to whom royal majesty has not been given. He shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Armies shall be utterly swept away before him and broken, even the prince of the covenant. And from the time that an alliance is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, and he shall become strong with a small people. Without warning, he shall come into the richest parts of the province, and he shall do what neither his fathers nor his father's fathers have done, scattering among them plunder, spoil, and goods. He shall devise plans against strongholds, but only for a time, and he shall stir up his power and his heart against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall wage war with an exceedingly great and mighty army, but he shall not stand, for plots shall be devised against him. Even those who eat his food shall break him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. And as for the two kings, their hearts shall be bent on doing evil. They shall speak lies at the same table, but to no avail, for the end is yet to be at the time appointed. And he shall return to his land with great wealth, but his heart shall be set against the holy covenant, and he shall work his will and return to his own land. At the time appointed, he shall return and come into the south, but it shall not be this time as it was before, for the ships of Katim shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw and turn back and be enraged and take action against the holy covenant. He shall turn back and pay attention to those who forsake the holy covenant. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering. They shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by sword and flame, by captivity and plunder. When they stumble, they shall receive a little help, and many shall join themselves to them with flattery. And some of the wise shall stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made white until the time of the end for it still awaits the appointed time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Joined today by Jason Byers for this amazing continuation into Daniel 11. Today, Daniel 11, 20 through 35. You know, a great passage to be wet, to be read at weddings, uh, funerals, <laughs> uh, gender reveal parties. That's against the rules. <laughs> if anybody so, wonders what that means, yeah, saying, yeah. I'll explain. So we're, uh, you know, we're kind of continuing into this epic historical saga that our friend, the prophet Daniel, a.k.a. Belteshazzar, also known as Belteshazzar, or however you want to pronounce it, <laughs> he's, he's, you know, still coming off this uh, or through this terrifying vision of a man that starts in Daniel chapter 10, which we read a couple of days ago. 
And so we're, we're moving further down the domino chain. And, you know, yesterday we, we jumped the gun a little bit and talked about the Roman empire and how basically all of Daniel 11 is kind of going to culminate historically in this time and place and into which Christ is born. But today we are pressing more into uh, the Maccabean revolt era, the desecration of the temple. And that is, of course, what Daniel speaks specifically to here. And surprise, surprise, is actually a very real historical event. So, buyers, uh, a man much smarter than me and more apt to interpret historical prophecy, please uh, <laughs> enlighten us on what on earth yeah, Belteshazzar is talking about here. Sit back, please, Will. <laughs> I will, as, as I, I will. Speak. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I think I think you you said it well. This is just a it's this. I don't mean to um, uh, trivialize this at all. This is without a doubt a continuation of what we talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. In the way that you know, some I mean, in some cases now we are solidly about four, we're Daniel is now describing events that happened, you know, two hundred fifty to. 400 years mm. after he's writing these down wow. and predicting them. So we're now at the point where we're seeing the struggles for empire between the successors of Alexander the Great and the Greeks that swept through this part of the world, the, specifically um, the Ptolemies, which were primarily based in Egypt, mm-hmm. and the Seleucids, which were mm-hmm. of Syrian um, origin, and the... Um, the strife between these two great powers over the land that if you know your geography is right between them, mm-hmm. um, Judea and Palestine, that general area mm-hmm. um, is, is right between the, the domains of, of the Ptolemies and Seleucids. And so um, I think without getting into a whole lot of specifics, what Daniel is, is describing in great detail here is the struggles between these two kingdoms, the struggles between the, um, the monarchs of these two kingdoms to maintain control over this part of the world, the things that they did um, to, um, in general terms, the, the the general oppression that they implemented over um, the Jews that had returned mm. uh, to this part of the world uh, and generations and generations that followed that were the successors of those that left uh, Daniel behind in, in Babylon. But, um, you know, the treatment, uh, verse 28, just little clues of what's going on. Verse 28, we speak of a ruler who shall return to his land with great wealth, but his heart shall be set against the Holy Covenant. So that's probably, scholars think that's probably a clue as to general oppression of, of the people, the Jewish people in, in the region of the time. Further on in the next uh, paragraph, um, where they're speaking of um, the abomination Verse 31, and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate in the uh, middle second century BC. Um, I th- I'm going from memory here, but the, I think it was uh, at that point um, the Romans, right? It would have been the Greeks, successors to the Greeks, who had set up an altar to Zeus in the temple in mm. Jerusalem. Mm. And uh, from time to time would return and do other things to desecrate the temple. At one point, they, um, they sacrificed a pig. Uh, on the temple, they wanted the they commanded uh, famously some Jewish uh, the the chief priest of the Jews at the time Mattathias to 
um, make sacrifices on this altar to Zeus. He refused, and ultimately events unfolded that led to the Maccabean revolt by a guy named Judas Maccabees, who uh, Maccabees means like the hammer. Mm-hmm. He was a great warrior, mm. and um, and then uh, uh, th- during the Maccabean revolt, uh, there was a time where they thought that I, I guess to grossly simplify the story. We're going to run out of oil to keep the lights lit. Mm. God miraculously provided the lights remained lit for their schemes to unfold against uh, their oppressors, the Jews. Jews still remember this event today as Hanukkah. Mm. Uh, and so we're seeing events unfold that are of great consequence. Daniel's predicting these things in some cases, as I said, some 400 years before they actually happened. And so, again, the way that I, I read these and I think about this, uh, as we said yesterday, I'm, I'm just you know, dumbstruck, obviously, and in awe uh, that, you know, these things actually happened as Daniel predicted. Truly. Um, And again, it, it does, um, it buoys my faith. It undergirds my faith. It gives me even more reason to -hmm. believe that, that God is sovereign, um, that I can trust in his promises. Well, Um, you you know, I think that, especially when we talk about, what is referred to as the abomination abomination of desolation as Mm -hmm. you know you talked about the greeks setting up an altar to zeus in the temple god is a great great mystery in many ways and the the truths of scripture are often presented in great tension and paradox Mm -hmm. and that actually has become uh not a a stumbling block but a, a great strengthening factor of my faith is that the Bible presents a God who is so complex and unpredictable, especially in contrast to all the other gods of all the other religions of man, Mm -hmm. that it simply seems far too non-human to be the product of human mind and imagination. Mm -hmm. And one of those things here, we would have to invent these stories if they didn't actually happen we'd have to invent something like this truly to, for any of this to make any sense this is the truly. amazing thing that god's done yeah and one of these tensions is you know the daniel's so first of all the temple has been sacked by nebuchadnezzar nebuchadnezzar and then you know we have uh some friends nehemiah and ezra who are going to come along and build the second temple um and there's a whole another historical thread there and there's going to be this desolation that Daniel's speaking of that you, you know, mentioned the fulfillment of the Greeks setting up an altar to Zeus and offering, you know, abominable sacrifices in the very stomping grounds of the covenant of God with the people of Israel. And that whole story that whole prophecy and the fact that nebuchadnezzar pranced into the (laughs) the temple and just took all the you know dining utensils and whatever it it is in such stark contrast to another story which is you know when the david and his men are returning with the ark of the covenant and the ox stumbles and Uzzah. uh puts out his hand to yeah. steady the ark yeah. and the glory of God and, and wrath of God, you know, overwhelms us and strikes him down. Like the, the glory of God. So filling the ark of the covenant that it, even a man on the same side 
of you know the war as the ark cannot even come into contact with it and, but then in the same book you know th there's this desecration there's this very mysterious relationship between god's enemies and the temple which is that god seems very removed he seems very distant he seems mm -hmm. kind of made up for you know lack of a more scholarly way of saying it yeah. and yet god is working through all this as we talked about yesterday the heart of the king is like a river in the hand of god he guides it wherever he wills mm. that gives me so much hope for the moment that we live in in time because you know it i think it often feels that we live more in a time like daniel yeah. than like david yeah. uh that god's work in the western world is much more cryptic um and yet n he is no less active and he is you know no less sovereign and you know no less leading these events towards the redemption of his people yeah and so there's this strange comfort in this weird mysterious historical route that god has devised through all these pagan kings yeah and i have to think this if we want to think of the utility of scripture this is this is the way i think that Daniel can help us. And we're in the midst of a sermon series on life in Babylon. And I know one of the points that one of the things Jason is emphasizing in this series is that we should, we should see, um, you know, our lives he, in the here and now in these particular circumstances, in this context, in this city, with all the things that are going on around us in the culture and in contemporary society, mm -hmm. you know, we should see those as God ordained mm -hmm. and um, we should understand our lives in the midst of that as gifts from God to be useful, you know, absolutely to the city. We'll read, you read a little, read back to Jeremiah and this is what, this is what we're told to do is mm -hmm. to be useful, live our lives. Mm -hmm. um, and so I like your parallel with the, the cryptic nature of discerning God's, participation and activity in the world today with what mm -hmm. maybe the the Daniel's contemporaries were experiencing in Babylon and then those ex in exile that had returned back to Jerusalem. I mean, he, he wasn't, I mean, we get the benefit of this book, but I have to think he was writing um, in part in large measure, I think to give hope mm. to his contemporaries. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, he was recording a vision obviously that, mm. um, that he was to write down, but, um, I think the point of this book is to give hope to those who are living in exile mm -hmm. about the purposes and sovereignty of God and mm -hmm. that there's nowhere we can go Absolutely. where God will not be sovereign. There's nothing we can do, no circumstance we can find ourselves in where God still, for those who love him, doesn't have our best interests at heart, uh, is working all things out for good. And so, yeah, I, I, I got to think, the people of Daniel's time were wanting to hear from God. Yeah. The people in that we read about in the New Testament, I I, I suspect that Daniel was mm. on their minds mm -hmm. and they drew from this well often to mm -hmm. continue to find hope in the midst of oppression. Absolutely. This reminder that God is sovereign over history and and in like manner we can take hold of those promises as well. Absolutely. You know, it's a very helpful way to think of current events and mm -hmm. the history unfolding around us. Like whose first instinct when thinking about Alexander the Great is, you know, the God of the Bible. Like we, we 
the secular people especially really pull apart you know the the things of history the things of earth and then things of god and so yeah. that's kind of like a nice uh emotional ethereal idealistic thing and then these are the cold hard facts you can have both but don't like get too mingly with them and you know i i do think and colin hansen and uh, D's talk about this on the think through it that they did together on critical Christian thought. Mm -hmm. But, you know, COVID is a great example where the, this for, you know, to use a biblical, biblical word, this plague sweeps across the earth. Um, and no matter how you view it or chop it up, it wreaks havoc on economies, on families, on everything. And, we have all these narratives of, you know, on kind of the right side of the aisle, the whole, all the havoc that was wreaked was it's the left that's responsible for it. You know, on the left side of the aisle, all the havoc that was wreaked, it, it was because Trump didn't handle it well. Like it, it, it's diced up in all these ways where it stays just on earth. And it's kind of like, even as Christians, we believe that God is sovereign, blah, 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 blah. But then the things that are actually happening in the world that seem totally unrelated to the church or to redemptive history, mm -hmm. we write off as like the history of man. And it's helpful to see that these things that are happening, like the desecration of the temple, uh, you know, the conquest of Alexander the Great, the Maccabean revolt, these are set up by God and that God's hand is working through these things to bring redemption. And so as we interpret, you know, these like, wars that are happening around us it, it's it might not help us understand what is happening or how god is working or what exactly he's accomplishing but there is this strong hope of you know we can look back through history and see god bringing great redemption and hope for his people mm -hmm. through very unexpected secular quote-unquote means and so the history that we see around us why would we expect any less yeah i agree um Reminds me of our recent sermon series on Habakkuk. Men's group that I lead, we, we've just finished reading Nahum and Zephaniah, which mm. in part predict the fall of the Assyrians, the fall of Babylonians, the fall of Jerusalem and the mm. southern kingdom. And and it's just a it's a great reminder that God's purposes will not be thwarted. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. The, you know, the world may seem to be falling, all, uh, falling down around us. Uh, I think we can we can rest assured that God remains sovereign. Amen. Amen. Well, for Jason Byers, this is Will Carlisle, and we hope you're enjoying this deep history plunge, <laughs> this cold plunge of Daniel 11, um, and seeing God's hand in it. And we will see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Our daily rhythm. Shout out to Matt Papa. Shout out Matt Papa. See you then. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. 
We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.